Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford and I'm your host and I'm also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're just joining us or if you're, or if you're a re continuing listener, then you know that the Inside Scoop is a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they live in another city around the world. And I gotta tell you, it's turned out to be an amazing podcast and quite unique. I gotta pat myself on the back because I'm actually just as entertained as many of our listeners. Because as a parent living in the States, I hear a lot about you know soccer around the world and what they're doing this way and what they're doing that way, but I never really knew the details. And so we've been able to travel all throughout the world. We've gone to Germany, Ghana, Cameroon, the UK, and here in the States. And we've talked to coaches and players and parents about their experience playing soccer in their city. Now, if you're not familiar with Anytime Soccer Training, please check out www.anytime-soccer.com. It's a website dedicated to helping parents and kids uh, with supplemental training. And, it's, and the way it works is we've created over a thousand 100% follow along videos. So your child just has to hit play, whether it's juggling, dribbling, passing, finishing, ball mastery, you name it. So check out www.anytime-soccer.com to collect you some additional information as well. Now let's go on to the show. And I have a special guest here from Dubai. He's a young man that I've had a wonderful conversation with. And I tell you, you know, he's doing things at as a teenager that I wasn't even thinking about when I was coming up. So I'm quite impressed and proud. He has a YouTube channel. He's a footballer. He's taking care of business on and off the pitch. And, and, and in our pre-game uh, interviews, he's very mature and knowledgeable and takes his sport very seriously. As a matter of fact, I'm going to introduce him to a couple of college folks I know in Europe as well as the U.S. to try to get him over here because he's a special talent. And he's going to talk to us about youth soccer pathways in Dubai by, by the way of Syria. So, Mulham. Don't let me butcher your name. I'm a country boy from uh, the south southern part of the states. Hamadan, Hamadine. Yeah. Ah, I know I got it wrong, but go ahead. So introduce yourself. I know he's sitting here. You guys can't see this. He's sitting here laughing at me because I practiced his name like 50 times, and I just I love him to death, but I just couldn't get it right. Now introduce yourself. Number one, tell us where you live. Tell us your age. Tell us who you currently play for. And then we're going to hop into the show. All right. So welcome, everyone, to the show. I'm really excited and um, you know, it feels like a pleasure to be here. Uh, so first, my name is Mulham Maidan. I'm a youth football player here in Dubai. I'm 16 years old and I'm playing for a team called um, Do La Liga High Performance Center as a striker. As a striker. Okay. So you. All right. So 
Now, the way this show works, and my loyal listeners will know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain to you basically how youth soccer works in the States. And then you're going to explain to me basically how youth soccer works or the youth soccer pathways that would be available in Dubai. And then we're going to dig deep into those various information that you would only know from experience. You just can't Google it. You just have to be there. Okay. All right. So with that being said, I live in Cary, North Carolina. And in the state, youth soccer is falls under a system that we call pay to play. And what that means on its most basic level is all children, all the children's parents pay something for their child to play. And it doesn't matter how good the child is, uh, you're going to pay. As a matter of fact, in a perverse way, the better the child is, the more talented the child is, uh, and the more competitive the environment the parent wants to put the child into, the more you have to play. Now, we've been doing this show for a while, so I'm gonna breeze through a lot of this, but if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Okay, now one thing that I'm learning that's quite different between the US and many other parts of the world is, we have clearly defined pathways. It starts with the recreational, and you can play recreational soccer from um, the time you're about U5, U6, U7, all the way up to U17, U18, and then they have adult leagues as well. And that's when the kids just wanna play. I'm not gonna go into a lot of details, but just trust me, they just wanna play, parents are coaching, or, and that's basically how it works. Then we have a very clearly defined in-between league, and that we call challenge. Now, it's in, now, once you get to this league, it's important to understand that our professional clubs offer challenge programs. And then we have nonprofits that are youth soccer clubs, but they are not attached to a professional team. And they also offer challenge programs. All right. And those mm -hmm. challenge programs are in between. It's the parent may coach and they may do a entry level license, but they're also getting support from a licensed coach who might go and handle one training a week. The kids are when they're not competitive in the sense of they're trying to play at the next level, but they want something a little bit more than rec. So they may even practice twice a week. Then we have what we call the travel system, right? And in travel, that's a generic term that says these are the most competitive clubs in your area. And travel means. simply means you're playing in a 10-month competitive program but in general and this is a big generalization the clubs don't view you as trying out or being selected for the first team they're just putting you in a pool they're trying to develop that entire class of kids and eventually they'll start dwindling it down and putting you on these higher and higher and higher level teams. But the big difference is even though they have a quote unquote tryout, even if they have a tryout, but even at the ultra competitive level, the big difference between 
our equivalent of Manchester United will still have 10 or 11 youth teams or even more. And they'll just create a team based on the skill level. So if, a, you know, if 500 kids show up, they're going to create teams that can accommodate 500 kids. If 100 show up, they're going to create teams that accommodate 100 kids. They'll have their top academy team, but they'll keep all these other teams as part of the play to play. But on the flip side of that, parents um, who have the resources to pay, and at the travel level, we're talking anywhere from $1,000 up to $2,500, you know, range, it could be even And I'm going to summarize so that you can kind of get it in a box. We have um, a lot of. Oh, go ahead. It lagged. It just lagged uh, for like the for the past 25 seconds, 30 seconds. It was lagging. I and if you guys are listening and there was a lag, I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize everything I just said really quickly. We have clearly defined leagues: recreational, challenge, and travel. Travel being the most competitive. Uh, yeah, tra travel being the most competitive. Travel turns into academy as you get older. Some kids make academy and others don't. But the big difference is they don't they don't exit those kids who don't make academy out of the program. They're just at lower teens because they're still paying. Then we have challenge, which is in between. And the big difference there is Manchester United, and I'm using them as an extreme example, would would not really have a challenge program. But our clubs have these different programs based on skill level because they're pay-to-play systems and they require that money in order to keep the lights on. Then we have pure recreations for fun. But one big difference between us and what I'm hearing from a lot of clubs is you can be a kid who only wants to play soccer three months out of the year and you can play in a recreational league and it doesn't matter if you're 15. It, that's just how we do it. play in their own leagues. So for example, we have a, a large Hispanic population here in um, Cary, North Carolina, and they tend to form their own leagues and play each other. And they'll play other teams as well, but just to give you some perspective that there are even other ways. And then finally, we have futsal, we have indoor leagues, you know, you name it. Why am I saying all that? But because, because we have a market-based system where people pay to play, there's pretty much a league and a level for any child who wants to play soccer because the club is going to make money. So there's all types of ways you can play. All right. So that's basically how it works in the U.S. So now we're going to pivot to you and tell us, I moved there. I have my 10-year-old son. Don't worry about what level he plays at now and how good he is. Just tell us, you know, in the entire spectrum of organized soccer, what are the big categories that, that they, you could plug my son into? Okay, um, so uh, as, as, I, as you told me, I, can, I was able to tell like it's, it's very different than the US. It's very different than the US system. Uh, 
but uh, basically from here uh, in Dubai, you have, um, for example, for the professional leagues, we have, we have only three recognized by the UAE Football Association. There's the UAE Pro League, and then there's the UAE Division One, and then UAE Division Two. So UAE Pro League, they have youth teams. These youth teams play in the first division because their first team is playing in the first division. UAE Division One, their teams play in Division Two youth system because their first team is playing in UAE Division Two. Division Three, they they're just like private academies, universities, etc. So they have their own league, uh, which is the UAE Sport Council Championship Academy. So that's that's a different league. So according to the local league, we have youth youth league one and then youth league division two. So uh, to so, join so these, let me, so let me cut you off for one second. So there are professional mm -hmm. clubs who offer youth soccer opportunities, and those youth soccer opportunities effectively have three tiers slash divisions. But that third division may or may not be a professional club per se. Yes. All yeah, right, so that's one big category. And then now mm -hmm. you're transitioning to another big category? Yeah, now this, okay. the, the other category is a private academy category. So it's like private academies that are owned by any normal resident here in Dubai. They have their own academy. They register to be in this league, and then they have a team they play. We got U18s, U16s, U14s, you name it until U6, maybe, around until U8, actually. Okay, so these All right, so let me just repeat that for my listeners. So I can move to Dubai, you know, I got what they call proverbial Arab money. I'm a billionaire and I say, you know what? I want to create an academy. I want to help kids out. You're saying I can come and do that and I can just uh, have my own academy. And then the way it typically works is the kid, people will pay though. And then some people don't have to pay. It's that kind of thing. All yeah, right. So all so, right, people yes, pay. so people pay and then for example for the academy perspective they have the option to tell like this is a good player i don't want him to pay so let him play for free but the rest of his teammates need to pay so it's it's basically depends on the private academy uh, and how their you know how their perspective is and how much you know money even they have and then they can decide for example okay two three players that are very good for example in the u18s team I want them to be playing for us with, for free in order for us to win titles and maybe go play international, international games or et cetera. And then the rest of his teammates, the other, other players need to pay. Okay, so that, that's, how, that's how it works. Okay, so just for my listeners, so now we've established one category, which is the professional thing with the different divisions. There's another category that, you're, that you guys call private academies, which is a little bit of pay to play, some scholarship opportunities based on merit. And that's created by individuals who want to create these clubs. All right, now we're moving. Is in another category? No, these are the only three categories, the professionals and then the, the private academies comes in. Okay, so we're going to dig deep, but go ahead and put this in a bow. I just want to play. Oh, what about school? Can you not play for your school? You can play for a school, but school teams Normally, they don't play friendly, so they don't have a league, for example, a league for only schools. No, there's nothing called. There is tournaments, but they are, um, you know, it's basically from the school, they can register in this tournament. It's made for schools, and you play like a seven-a-side game. Even if you're 18 years old, uh, 17 years old, doesn't depend on the age. You only play seven-a-side game, and then you win a title, for example. And, but that's not a league. That's more like a tournament, you know. It's, it's, it lasts for like two months. 
and then that's it. That's that's the only tournament we have here for for club for uh, school. Sorry. All right, so we're gonna unpack the school category as well. So those are that's another category of organized soccer, even though it's drastically different from what we would know as real club soccer. Okay, and is there any other categories of organized soccer I can take my child and sign up to? No. Okay. So now let's really, and thank you for that, let's unpack the professional. And I got to be honest, I'm still a tiny bit fuzzy on the third division one, but let's deal with the first division one first. So you're playing in the equivalent of the UAE's premiership. Is that a safe way of saying it? Okay, so uh, let's, for, for digging more into the professional uh, youth system, uh, as I said, there's UAE Pro League, that's the highest, that's at the top of the pyramid. And then we have UAE Division One. that's the second, that is the second in the pyramid, okay? These youth teams, the, these first, these professional clubs, they have youth teams. But the youth teams participate in a league based on their first team. So, for example, let me name you a club, uh, Al-Masr, okay? This is a club here in Dubai. Um, their, their first team plays in the first division, the highest division, which is Pro League. So their youth teams are going to be with the other clubs that are playing in this category, you know. And then, for, for example, a Division Two team, or a, sorry, Division One, UAE Division One, uh, let's name it Emirates. There's a club called Emirates. Um, their youth teams are going to be with the other teams that are, are playing with Emirates, you know, you get me? In the same league. Yeah. So, so that's, that's how it works. Um, playing, for youth, for playing for a youth professional club here is... Um, you can have money, you know, even if you're playing under 14, you, you still get paid. You don't start okay, a professional but, All right, but hold on. Before you tell me that, that's interesting. So now, so I got that part. But before you tell me about the money part, now, I, I, my son is there. I see this professional academy, and I want him to play for them. Now, let me tell you, so that we're on the same page, let's assume I was in London, for example. I don't care if my child is messy. I can't just knock on the door of Manchester United and say, I need you guys to have a look at my son. It doesn't work that way. I would mm -hmm. still have to sign him up for some grassroots club and he would have to play really well. And then the coaches would see him and they would have some scouting apparatus. And then through that process, they will find you. Now, don't get me wrong. If he's like messy, they're going to find him fast. But my point is you don't just knock on the door and get into the Division One Premiership uh, Youth Academy. Okay, so how does, the, how, how does my child or how does a child get into those professional academies? Okay, so uh, it's, as I said, it's different for every, based on your level, uh, but most likely you will have, you need to have connections, okay? You need to know players that are already playing there, asking the coaches to be like, uh, I have my friend, for example, Mulham, he wants to join our team, can he come do a trial? And then obviously the coach would agree, and then you would go to their facility, do the trial, and they will evaluate you. That, so that's, that's, that's one way to have connections in the club or from the coach and you get into a trial. So you, you will have to take a trial period. And then the second, the second method, they might scout you. For example, I got an offer from a, from a local club last year. Uh, they just saw my videos online and they decided to contact me. They knew someone in the club that knows me. He was my friend. So my friend gave them my contact number. They called me. They were like, we want to see you play in, with our team, blah, blah, blah. So come to our facility. So that's now, that's, that's the second and, way too. And so did I understand the club that scouted you based on seeing your videos and knowing your friend. Which of that of those one or two levels? Which one were they? 
you know, you mean either professional or division one? Yeah, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to put what you just said in the box of, are they in that top division or are they in the one with Emirates? They were, they were in the top division with al Nasser. Okay, all right. So, so now that we've established that, so there's, a, there's two big ways. One is you know someone and then you get invited to a trial. I'm going to extend that to say, not only can you have a friend that plays in a club that makes a recommendation, but you could have a coach that knows someone in the club that can make a recommendation. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair enough. But I, I want to do a small comparison with um, USA. They have like uh, combines, open combines and tryouts. Here in Dubai, we don't have open combines. A club doesn't say, I have an open combine and this day come pay, pay this fee, pay this amount of fee and then try it. That doesn't work here. That's not how it works here. Okay. So there are no open combines. They don't do no open trials. And they don't really do that in Europe, except for some of the smaller um, professional mm -hmm. clubs will do that. All right. So we, so I just want to establish, you can get um, a referral, player, coach, some kind of network. You can get scouted. So they have, now, do they have a scouting apparatus that you, that you imagine like in Europe where scouts are just scouring the, the city looking for the next best uh, thing? They do have some scouts, local scouts. Um, obviously, they would be local most probably. Uh, they might come watch, but you will never notice. You can never tell that he is watching. He might come to, for example, our league, which is the academy championship that I told you about in the beginning. They might come and watch our games. Um, we play, for example, in, in, a, in an area called Sports City. So they might send a scout to watch me or watch the other games and scout. But, um, but yeah, that, that, that's still possible, but you can rarely know. And I want to mention that the professional clubs, they have a BU team for example they might have Sorry, a, it broke up they have a what type of team yeah so the professional clubs might they have youth teams so there might be some clubs have a youth a team and a youth b team for each category for under 16s they have under 16a under 16b so under 16b might not be only local players might be you know any other resident resident residential players they might join and these this b team will play with our academy they will play in the same league with our academy, with our private academy. So maybe scouts or the coaches of these local B teams might, might see us and then recommend us for the A team for, for their professional club. So you get how it works? I get exactly how it works. I still want to unpack that, but I get it. So we have a saying in the States, we want to go to night school. And that, that means nothing to you. But basically, when someone says you want to go to night school, that basically is saying they're not very smart, so you have to really break it down. Mm -hmm. So we're going to night school with me on this one. All right. All right. So we, so we got that. Now, you got scouted for that professional uh, Division One club. Yeah, but I what didn't take that. No, no, no. I don't mean you. I'm saying hypothetically. Yeah. Hypothetically. Okay. Hypothetically for now. My child gets scouted for that. So what's the earliest they can get scouted and join those clubs? What's the youngest they can be? Um, youngest division, based on my experience, will be um, up to under eight, under eight years. So, uh, yeah, that, that's for the youngest age. The oldest age you can get to is before the first team, which is the under 21. Specific question that you may or may not know. How do they find the under eight? So, for example, in the UK, they literally scout six and seven-year-olds. Yeah, for, for under eight, um, and like these very young categories, under eight, under 10, and maybe till under 12, 
Uh, most likely, they're all going to be local players, most likely. Um, and they get scouted maybe from, they might be, they might be like from schools, from the local schools in this, in, in this country, where only local, local people are allowed in it. Or it might be through some connections, as I said, maybe relatives, maybe family relatives, maybe someone knows someone. So based on either connections, or they might take players from the local school. They, here in Dubai, we have local, local schools. These schools are for free, but they're only for local people, only for the people with the UAE passport. So they might scout players from there. And yeah, street football sometimes. So, so yeah. But most so likely- In other words, it's not, it's not a crystal clear, like you just, we, they sent out an email to all the parents, they sign up and show up on this day. It's a little bit, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like you aim, you don't email and be like, my son is eight years old, can he join there? It doesn't really work there. You might get a response, maybe, maybe, yeah, but, but it's not the, you know, the formal way that it works. Most likely they would take players from the street football or from relatives or from connections. Uh, so that's, that's how it mainly works here. Okay, so now I'm in the academy. We may talk about the different ages, but I just want to get a big picture. What am I actually seeing when I walk in? Am I seeing nice facilities or do they look kind of similar to non-academy? Are the coaches licensed? Are the kids all wearing the same uniforms? You know, how, how much are they practicing? What am I experiencing as an academy at that top level um, youth player? So uh, for the two divisions, the top divisions here, the professional ones, uh, the facilities are insane to be honest. Um, you have gyms, you have changing rooms, you have physiotherapy, you have the coaches. They're mostly UFAB or they have the AFC license and they're all very well licensed. And now recently they started getting coaches from outside, even for the youth teams. So from Brazil, from Germany, from Spain, from Europe, maybe from uh, US, US as well. Uh, and they're starting to remove the Emirati coaches and replace them with better coaches from Europe, which they have UEFA A, UEFA B, and so on, you know? Okay. And then um, how many days a week am I going to train? Yeah, but I just want to answer that part of the question where they all have the same uniform. You drop your uniform at the club, you come next training, and you'll find them washed, you'll dress, and then you'll drop them after training. You have also food. They, they give you food after training. You will find in your changing room a bucket of like a box with sandwiches um, and a juice, a big box of juice as well. So they will take, they take you know, good care of, 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 their youth, of their youth teams. Even, uh, like at a U12, even at like U12, you might leave your uniform there and pick it yeah. up? U12, yeah, you might also leave. Maybe U8, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure because I wasn't there at that time. But I think at all categories, they, they leave their uniform there. It's, they just, you know, it's like professional. That's, that's something to be said. They really take good care of their kids. Okay. So then how many... I'm sorry, it's, it's lagging. Okay. You... All right, I'm, gonna turn my, I'm turning my um, video off. Let me know if you... Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. How many days a week... In general, my training when I joined that professional, one of those one or two division top professional clubs. Yeah, so average, um, because we're considering all categories, average it would be 
three trainings per week or two training, two to three trainings per week, that's average. But once you get more into under 14, under 16, under 18, and so on, you will go for five trainings per week. And based on the game, based on the games, based on the level of the team, they may play in some different cups, different tournaments. So they will have to, for example, maybe train three times a week and have two games every weekend. So, so yeah. All right. And then, um, so you're training. And then if you play in the top divisions or whatever, you're only playing kids in the other top divisions? Yeah, so you're playing with the clubs. That are, their first team is in the first division, for example. You play with them. So there's for around 14 teams in the first, in the highest tier, which is UAE Pro League. That's what they call it here. There are 14 teams. So 14 of these teams, they have all of them, they have youth teams. So they play four, so you know, you get me? So each team plays 13 games home and away. So that will be 26. So each team plays 26 games in the league only. But what I can't picture is if you're in the UAE Pro League youth, I, what I can't picture is you're not going to be traveling all throughout the country, are you? Yeah, you will. Because uh, these 14 teams, for example, in the highest tier UAE Pro League, there are some in Dubai, some in Sharjah, some in uh, Ajman, some in uh, many Abu Dhabi, different cities, Al Ain. So you will take, so there will be a bus. To, you will meet, for example, all of you in the, in the club or the club will send uh, a car if you're living far away from the club to pick, pick, like, pick the players that are far away from the club, living far, and then um, drop them at the club. And then from the club, they all meet up and leave to, the, to their game, whether it was in a different city or even in the same city they still all take a bus to go there together. Wow, okay. So if you're just joining us, this is Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop. I'm the founder of Anytime Soccer Training, and we're having a wonderful and detailed interview with a young man who plays uh, soccer in the UAE, specifically in Dubai, Mulham. And he's really breaking down how it actually works. And the way we like to do the show is, we kind of start at that top level, and then we work our way down the, down the pecking order to see what opportunities would be available for the other 98% of the kids who want to play soccer but are not playing in that pro league yet. And what I found fascinating is the level of professionalism, the level of training hours, the, the facilities in the, the way you described them, and then the linkage between the pro academy, even down at the youth level, to the actual pro team. Now, if I play for those academies, let's say I'm U12 at the professional academy, what a, can I play for my local team as well? And let me give you an example. In the UK, you can play for Man U in the lower level. Now, once you get older, you can. And you can play for your grassroots club. Can you do that? Yeah, I get you. Um, here, in the, here in UAE in general, um, once you play for a team, they register you so you have a player card. So once you have that player card, you will sign some. You will sign a paper for your salary and also for your, your that you're not allowed to play in your school or in your any in any other club. So that that's the thing you'll have to sign. So once you once you say I'm playing for Al Nasser, for example, you can't play for any other grassroots academy, private academy, non-private academy, any other club. Because once you get injured, then they are responsible for you. So so yeah. And if, for example, just one thing to note that if you get injured while playing with them, they take full responsibility of um, taking to the hospital and recovery and all that, et cetera. They take, full, they take the fees, all of it. They pay it. 
So it really sounds like a very professional outfit early on. And I don't mean that from a cultural perspective, even though that's there. I mean it literally from a business perspective. And so you hinted on payments. Let's start with the extremes to the best of your ability and work our way up. All right. Eight, nine, ten years old, are you are the parents and you play in that professional league? Are the parents receiving any compensation? Um, or, or do they you, have to or are they paying? No, they don't pay. Once you play for a local club, you don't pay. Unless you're playing for that youth B team, the B section, you might pay like uh, you might you, have, you might pay money because the B team is not the best. You know, they have the A team and then the B team for each category. So if you're playing for the A team, and I'm going to start at the very low end and work our way up, when you're like eight or nine, mm -hmm. okay, you're not paying, but is there any money being exchanged from the club giving money to the parents? To your eight, nine, eight, nine, no. So when is the first time that a child, to your knowledge, can start receiving money? Most likely, uh, an, an actual salary will be up, up to under U14. But if you're playing under, for example, U12 or even U8 or U9, I want to mention that, that you might get, there are something called bonuses. So for example, if you, if you win, maybe they'll give you 50 dirhams, which is around um, 10 bucks or 20 bucks. Uh, you might get that just, you know, to motivate the players, uh, even at, the, at U8, at U9, U10. But the actual salary where you talk about around 150 bucks per month, uh, that comes uh, until under 14. That's when you start getting paid. And then you get also the bonuses that you used to get before, but of course at a higher rate. Now, when you sign and get those salaries, are you, um, in general, do you lock into a one-year contract, two-year contract? Like, how does that work? Now, when you're playing for the youth team, you're not allowed to sign more on one-year contract, and it shouldn't be a professional one. So once you sign for, uh, once you sign, it's going to be for a full season for 20, 2019, 2020 season, and then you can renew it after that. But they sign yearly because you're not you're not a professional player. You can't sign five years or ten years of contract. That's, that's not possible here. So you sign every year, you renew the contract until you're like playing for uh, the first team or maybe the second, you know, like the B team, which is under 21, under 23, um, you might sign a long-term contract. But for the youth teams, no, it's not possible. Okay, and I'm gonna ask what I consider to be maybe a dumb question, but it needs to be asked. When you're on that professional youth team, A team, you can be released. Release that means like you go to the club, you say, I don't want to play, right? No, they tell you, you they don't want you to play for them anymore. Like they got okay. better kids. Uh, it is possible. It is possible. And uh, they say, they come to you, they be like, we found a better player. And it's so, it's very common. And I will share a story with you at the end. Uh, so yeah, it is possible. They come to you, they say, uh, we found a better kid. Or they may give it to you in an indirect way where they bring that kid he plays, he gets more minutes than you until it comes out from you, not from them. You say, like, I, I'm not playing enough, so I don't want to stay here. Or they might come to you and tell you, um, we're sorry, but we're going to cancel your card with us, blah, 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 and, uh, and yeah. Okay, and there's, so no, like, a breaking, there's no breaking contract fee here because you're at the, still at the youth level, you know. So you don't get, like, you don't get paid if they break the contract. Unless you're negotiating, it depends, you know. That's negotiations. 
understand that. All right, so now we're working our way down. If you're in the division two, we're gonna go through this part quickly because I think there will probably be a lot of similarities. Is there a big drop off in skill? Um, I'm sorry, you like. Is there a drop off? Yeah, in terms of coaching and skill level, is there a big drop off in coaching now, and skill level from the first division to the second division? Uh, not not a very um, coaching drop, but there's um, players level drop, you know. So it's not from the coaches. The coaches at the end, they mostly all of them they have their specific qualifications they need to have. And um, but of course, when you play for a first team, you have more money. It means because um, you know you have more more people coming. So whenever you have more money, you will get better coaches. Um, but it's not that big of a difference. Uh, but the level of um, Football or the level of the players is different because once you play for a division um, that's called Division One, the second division is called Division One. Um, it means you can't get to Division. Uh, it means you can't get to the Pro League now. It means you're not good enough. So all the players won't be good enough. So there is a drop of level of football, but not level of coaches because the coaches at the end are there. like they all have good qualifications and the facilities, salaries. They all different in a very very small rate. So, so, so the so is it safe to say that the best division one team? Sorry, my alarm went off. The best division one team still could not beat the worst division. Um, uh, sorry, the worst pro team. And I know when you get into winning and losing in football, obviously it's it can happen. But I'm talking about in general. The wor the best Division One team playing the worst the pro team in general. They play a hundred games. Is that pro team gonna win ninety nine times? Uh, no, 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 not really. No. Okay, so it's, it's not that big of it's not a yeah. big that it's not like huge. And yeah, they're yeah, gonna be some huge. Division One players who will eventually make it pro. Yeah, they might. They can mean the players. Yes. Yeah, the players, yeah, and as well, there is the good thing, the nice thing here is that there is a promotion and relegation even for the Division 3, which is Division 2, we name it here Division 2, um, they can promote, so the private academies or the universities, they can promote to Division 1, and then from Division 1 make their way to the Pro League in case they keep doing good. So there is promotion and relegation for all three categories. But now, the promotion relegation for all three categories, and let's work down to Division 2, but they're mm -hmm. not and let me use um, teams I'm familiar with. They're not like Manchester United and Manchester United has been relegated, are they? So in other uh, words, they're not, a, are they, I, I thought Division Three. are they actual professional clubs that could be played on TV and enter into your equivalent of the uh, English Premier League? Now the Division Three uh, is, there's small clubs, okay? And then from small clubs, there's also private academies which they have first team and also youth teams and maybe the academy to play with the youth team you need to pay but they still have a first team where you don't pay anything and they might have offer you some perks maybe salary a small salary and there's also university so the university you get a scholarship from the university that you're playing for their for their team so that's that's a different benefit but you you, you can still they're not professional clubs but if they keep making their way up it means they're going to get more money more people coming to watch more fans that's going to all make more money to the team. And then in the future, they might develop their, um, 
their facilities, their way of coaching. Maybe they bring better coaches and better, better soccer fields and, you know, et cetera. The, the, the but facility. is it so, but if I understand correctly, it's possible for those clubs to, who have a first team to eventually become pro clubs if they keep winning. It's now here at the end, they're all registered with the UA Football Association, so that, that they're all registered there as, as clubs, okay? But for example, once you uh, for the Division Three private academies, they don't call it, let's say, I'm gonna give you a name, um, Dubai City. Actually, here, Dubai City is an, is an academy, they have youth teams where you pay to play, but they also have a first team. So, the first team they call it Dubai City Club, they don't call it Dubai City Academy. So it's, I know it's, a, it's a proper club, it's an official club, but that's playing at semi-slash-amateur semi football, you know? So once they keep making their way up, they can definitely be considered as a professional club. I understand. I understand. I understand. And then if they – so in the States, we don't have – it's not like that, obviously. We don't have pro, pro real. But yeah, the closest pro. thing we have to that is you can have a club – that you remember I talked about is almost like a nonprofit that may or may not have a quote unquote professional team, but it's like they'll have like a semi-professional team. And then the city will appeal to and make a bid to MLS, which is our big, you know, professional mm -hmm. league to become part of the club and a uh, part of the league. And then the MLS will say, okay, in order for you to your bid to be approved, you have to create a professional academy. For the youth. Oh, okay. So there are requirements to become a professional club. Yeah. So, so this club, this city may say, we we have this club already, a semi-pro club, and we want to become MLS team. And then the MLS will say, well, one of the requirements is for you to have a youth academy for boys and a youth academy for girls. And then what these clubs do, who don't have these robust youth academies, or maybe they have one, but it's not really defined they'll go out and merge with another local club and bring them in and, and that will be the youth academy. So I thought about that when you said you have Dubai City and Dubai City Club, that if Dubai City becomes, and I, I'm not suggesting it works like this, but this is what I thought about. If Dubai City becomes a professional club, then they may have to go back down and build their pipeline a little bit more strategically at the youth no. level. Uh, now, look, for example, Dubai, Dubai City, the example I gave you, they have, they have a private academy. Now, I may have answered it maybe in a different way, but if Dubai Club becomes, goes to the UA Pro League, which is the highest tier, obviously there are going to be some changes in their academy, but that won't make their academy um, like a very professional unless they make very, you know, very changes, like many changes, because but they will play, like for example, Dubai City gets to the Pro League, their youth team will have to play against Al Nasser, which is in the first team, which is in the Pro League, you know? So because their team is at the first, or you know, their, their first team is playing at the Pro League, that means their youth teams will play at the first division of the youth system, okay? So they will play against Al Nasser and ETC, so they will be considered as professional clubs. And of course, you're playing Division One, it means you're a professional club, so there are no requirements for you to become a professional club. And that's, that's a very good point here because in many different countries, there, there might not be promotion relegation, especially for the low, lower tiers. 
But here, because we have Division Three, they can promote to Division One, and then from Division One, they can make their way up to Pro League. But it's not easy at all, at all. It's very, it's very difficult because not like top three make it to the Pro League uh, or like to the uh, promote. It's only like the first team promotes and the bottom two relegate. So it's extremely difficult and it's extremely rare because when you when you want to promote from Division Three and go up to Pro League. It means there are pro league teams that are falling to Division One. It means they they have more. They're already ready. They're already set to compete against you and just you know they win you and promote again, make their way up to your pro league. So you're still like, no, nah, it's, it's 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 very difficult. They it's they might they, they might promote to the UAE Division Two uh, because they're playing against small clubs and then small academies and private academies and university teams. But once they go to the UAE Pro League or UAE Division One even they're going to find some very serious clubs that, that already have too much. They have, they have better facilities um, and way, way more better things. So it's not, it's not easy. Okay. All right. So I got that. Now, just to get calibrated, before we go to the next part of this, so that we can get calibrated, where are you actually playing, you, yourself, in this whole system? So um, I'm playing for, a, uh, it's not a professional club, it's an academy called Dula Liga High Performance Center. There's, there's my team, Dula Liga, and from my team, there is, they have an academy, which is called La Liga Academy. They scout players from La Liga Academy to our, to our Dula Liga High Performance Center. And when you play here, when you play in the High Performance Center, you don't pay anything. You have full football sponsorship, and you don't pay a single, a single thing. You train, you have transportation, uh, play in the academy academy league, not the professional league. It's the academy's league. It's called Academy Championship, I told you about. So you play there. Okay, and then you have trips to Spain and... All right, uh, so let's go. So All right, so now we're going to go back to night school. I totally get the, the, <laughs> the pro league. I totally get... He's laughing at me. I totally get the pro league. They play each other. I get that the pro league's B team okay. may play... Um, yeah. Some of the Division One teams, right? I will break. I will break it for you. Okay. So, so we have the UAE Pro League. They, as we said, they have depends on the first team. They have uh, they have their youth teams and they play. Then we got UAE Division One. They also have their first team, the second division. So their youth teams will be in the second division. So then they will they have their own league. Okay. And then you go down to Division Three. There are private academies. My team, especially like specifically my team, they don't have a first team. It's on, up to up to under 18, and then you leave the club or they, you leave the team. But for other academies, for other private academies, they might be in this division three and still have academies and still have the yeah, they have the youth system. Okay, so their youth system would play in a league called Dubai Sport Council Academy Championship. That's a that's a full league for private academies. Private academies, not universities. There are no universities there. It's only under 18. And then there are the youth system of the professional first two leagues. They have B teams in every, every category. For example, they have under 16A that's playing in, their, that's playing in the professional the youth system. And then they have their B team where you might pay um, like 100 bucks per month to play. And where, where do they play? They play, to, they drop with our league. They can't play with the academy sport championship and they compete against us so that's when even scouts from these beat from these clubs professional clubs um they come and watch and then they may recommend recommend us to their coach of the a team 
So maybe the A co the team, the coach from A team, they come contact uh, contacting us because here it's it's allowed if they come contacting me because when you play for a private academy, you don't sign anything. So they, they have the right to come speak to you directly or to your family. So, yeah, now I get it. Okay, now I got it. Thank you, thank you. Whew. All right, now, <laughs> so you're saying that you can be playing for the uh, this high performance academy Mm -hmm. and, on a, on, and a pro team approaches you and says, we want you to play on our B team, but for, and you can give me, you can unpack this for various reasons. You may say, you can give me some examples. No, I don't, I want to stay where I'm at. Is that, is that a realistic? Or yeah, you can... are you saying, absolutely. I don't care if I'm on your D team, a pro team is better than where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I get it. Now, um, the professional contract, not the professional, but the professional teams that were interested in me, as I told in the beginning, I didn't go there and I rejected that offer uh, because it depends on the player. For, for example, for me, my expectations, I want to go play in Europe. So the high performance center I'm in, they bring coaches from Spain. We, we play the, the Spanish play style. Like if you watch our full, full game, you will see like we move the ball, we play, we play passes and you know, it's different. The level, the level of football might be um, lower than the professional teams, but the quality of training, you will improve as a player very much. You know, not for all academies. Some other academies, might, their trainings might be worse than the professional league or professional league teams. But for, for, like for my team, especially Dula League High Performance Center, um, their training is, although we train three times per week only, but that, that's good, that's not bad. But... Um, for me, trainings are way better than the professional league, from the professional league to youth teams, you know? And it's more like also personality and the environment you're going to be in. Because as I said, I wanted to talk about this, my experience with them once I went to a trial, once they offered me um, the contract or the, you know, the play, come play with us. Um, I went there and I played. And I already knew them before because when I was 10, I was in, an, I was in the B team of, an, of, a, of, an, of a professional team. I used to pay to play there. But once I went there, they treat each other, and that's my experience. You know, uh, one guy, he's uh, from Iran, so he stepped on a foot of his uh, Emirati teammate. They were in different teams. We were playing small game. And then that Emirati guy was like, uh, he started saying some bad words and some bad stuff. About him. And I was just right next to them, and I was just passing by. So it's, like, it's more like an environment. You will need to know if you want to be there, and is it good for you to be there. And... When I was there, it was, the trial was in last year, uh, 2019, in around uh, October. So once I went there, the coaches were giving instructions to the players about things that I've already got from the year before when I was with the team that I'm, I'm in now, you know? So, the so like my coach gave me the same instructions about a year ago. Until now, these, these players that are in the pro league are getting, are getting the same instructions or they're getting it now or they don't know how to apply it now. So, so I believe that it all depends on the player because I know so many players that were playing my team and they moved to a professional team, professional youth team when they had the option. But it all depends on the player, the environment you want to be in. And if you think you're, you know, some people might, might be like, okay, I will get money, so why don't I go there? I will have this much facility, so why don't I go there? But you, you really need to think about that now. All you need to care about is your development. You know, you don't have to care about getting paid. You don't have to care about the facilities you play. You might be playing, you know, uh, no grass or fake grass even. But it's, you're still developing better than if you were playing on a real grass 
but in a bad environment that will change your personality, that will change your mindset and make you sad and not happy when you play. So that, that's a very powerful thing. Listen, you are wise beyond your years. You need to do, I need to set you up for a webinar to talk to some of our parents here in the States. Because we have a lot of that going on. And what I call, and I appreciate what you just said and the detail you gave me. And I'm actually going to ask you a soccer question in a second. But uh, I ask parents, are you buying the packaging? You know, are you buying what's in the package? And mm -hmm. in the state, we have a lot. And this show, uh, listen, okay, let me, disclaimer, time out. I love my coaches. I'm a coach. I love my clubs. We have a whole lot of very well run clubs in my area okay but the bottom line is a lot of times people equate level quote-unquote level competition with level of instruction and development right and my son for example happens to play for a really small club here in Cary North Carolina and people oftentimes that when they see my son play they tell me that, that I should sign him up for one of the larger clubs for all these different reasons. But my, what I'm thinking in my head is if you see someone who is really, really smart or, or if, let's say you go to a seminar and, they, and all the kids are from different colleges and one really stands out and, he's, and he or she is really brilliant. Do you say you should come to my college or do you say, boy, what are they teaching them at that college? Because that's where I need to be at. And I feel like there's a lot I'm sorry. What that looks, looks like. Uh, it lagged a bit. So. Okay. So basically my soapbox was, I really appreciate what you're saying. I apologize to the listeners if it was a lag. My soapbox was, I really appreciate what you're saying. A lot of parents, in my opinion, end up buying the packaging instead of looking at the details. I'm actually navigating this myself as humbly as I can, because I've chosen to leave my son in a smaller club for now even though many folks tell me I should move into a larger club, but I recognize that he's getting um, a commitment from the coaching staff. And some of that is because it's a smaller club that he may not get in a larger environment. So I really appreciate that. And there's a lot of nuance in the decision. All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap up very soon about the pathways. And this show is not really about getting into the details of football but you did say something to me, and as a person who didn't grow up playing soccer, just help me understand this. Try your best to give me an example. So you said, hey, when I went to the professional club, the coaches were going over stuff that my coach went over a year ago. Can you give me an example um, of what stuff might be? Like, what yeah. are they going over that you were like, man, I got that? Yeah, uh, so for example, for me as a striker, and my coach, but uh, it was a different coach at that time. So, uh, so there was we were they were attacking us, all right. And we, sorry, we were attacking them. And uh, there was a striker. I, they didn't put me as a striker; they put me as a winger. So uh, the defender was moving up, and obviously the striker needs to to do not press him straight away. He needs at least to corner the player, so he needs to come here to block the switch and then get closer to the player, and then the winger gets closer, and then the cam or the center mid gets closer, and then they, they, it's like a cage, you know? So that's, that's a thing every striker does. And even when I, when I analyze like professional teams, Karim Penzima, uh, Lewandowski, 
all these top strikers, um, that's what they do. So you block one side from the switch, and then you get all, the, all your team closer, and then you press. You, like, it's like you trap them in a cage. So that, that striker went, he, the, the defender was moving up, up here, and then the striker went straight to him, and then this defender switched the ball. So th then, the, then their coach whistled, and there was like, wait, you will need to do this before, so you can then press, and et cetera, you know, to this explanation. But this thing I already knew, and if I was in his position, it's not personally me, but anyone that's been, um, look, we have other strikers in my team, we have other strikers in the team. So I'm the first striker of, the, of, of my team, but uh, it all depends on you. It all depends on the player, because if you want to learn, because, like that thing, my coach told me it a year ago, and I still now remember it and apply it every single game. And every time I move that, during the game even, I start remembering my coach during the game, just like it just passes quickly, just for a second, that when he used to tell me, Mulan, you need to go this, block the switch, and then press, and then get closer. So, so that's, that's, that's a thing that, that, really, uh, that really turns, you know, it's different. Because what, what he's telling him now, I got told a year ago from my coach, and until now I still remember it, and I built more over this and kept growing, and now that player is still here while I'm, I'm here, you know? I kept, I built up on what my coach gave me, but this man, he just got this information. It's not his fault. Maybe it's his parents' fault that he put him, he put him in this environment, but it's just like, or maybe it's the coach's fault that they didn't do that earlier or from the earlier stage. But yeah, but I also want to mention one thing. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, which is now playing at the professional league in the youth phase, the leagues have a better competition. That's, that's, that's a thing I need to say, that they have a better competition. Like there's more, uh, for example, our games sometimes they end 5-0, um, 3-0, 5-1, 4-1. depends. some games end 1-1, 0-0. But it's like more competitive when you play in the professional uh, youth phase. And I know that many people say that, when, and that's true, I, I also say it, is that when you play at the higher competitive games, you improve more. That's true. But you will need to also know that just playing games without training is nothing. So when you go play 100 games of, against Barcelona and you don't know what the hell are you doing, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. So you need to make sure that you're building your foundation now. So when you go to the game, you apply. You don't, you don't, you don't apply something in the game that you didn't get in training. And for the example I mentioned is that I learned something a year ago with my coach. Until now, I'm applying it. But that man didn't know what to do and didn't, didn't know how to apply that. And he's just playing a game. He's just playing at the top level. He doesn't know what to do. So, so, so listen, never... if you ever having trouble sleeping, I want you to – I'm going to share a link with you my previous podcast where I wrote uh, – where I argued that not all benefits are distributed equally. And so you and I are on the same page. And I tried to explain to parents, and I don't know if many of them are going to listen. Listen, you can go sign your child up for all these different things, and they all have – some intrinsic and and um, overlapping benefits, right? That child is out there playing that you're saying is not able to apply what uh, what you knew a year ago. Yes, he's going to get some benefit for just being out there, but not all benefits are distributed equally, and that's where the training you have to have the right training in place, tactically and technically, and what you do on your own in order to apply this stuff. So I'm basically just echoing you, and I tell you what. I wish I would have learned this stuff when I was your age. It took me longer to learn it, 
and I wish I would have learned at your age. And so that's extremely insightful. And I love what you were saying. You're basically saying out of possession, the, the striker needs to position themselves to force the ball one way to make it easier for the, uh, the rest of the team effectively to put the press on. And this is something you – and I understand what you're saying as well in terms of it's the cumulative effect. And so because you knew this a year earlier at a, at a minimum, you got 365 days to apply this. So it's not only that you learned it earlier, but you're able to apply this and apply this. Yeah. The cumulative benefit of that is what I call um, insurmountable overtime. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a couple more questions and I'm gonna let you go. I know it's getting late there. You talked about Spain. Have you actually traveled to Spain to play or have they traveled to you guys or what's that like? And I'm gonna tell you why I'm asking. To the best of your ability, um, let's talk about the technical, what you notice in terms of the technical ability of kids who presumably would have been around your level. Are you seeing them being really, really technical? And let's talk about other stuff you're seeing in terms of just tactically. Just, again, just to give us an idea. And, and let me just be clear about this. The reason we're doing this is not to get too deep into the weeds with soccer. It's so that the listeners can understand what it would be like if their child was, if, if they lived in Spain and they were moving to Dubai, what it would be like when their child stepped on the pitch. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, the first part of the question, yes, I went to Spain last year um, for the 2018-2019 season. I've went in April for uh, April of 2019 to, uh, to Spain to play in the Mediterranean International Cup. It's a big tournament. It's uh, in the Catalan. Uh, Catalan side of Spain uh, and I played there uh, five games we played the uh, five five games we were round of 16 and then we lost and then I went again to Spain in the summer um, for a summer camp for 14 days in Marbella Football Center so uh, once I went to make we played against um, good teams but they're 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 not very known you know but uh, what we noticed and they were international from all around the world so it wasn't only from Spain so we played some games against the Russia team um, they were very physical, large, and um, they were moving the ball and just always playing air balls, you know, because they're too physical, they're too large, too big. Um, we played against um, China, uh, China team, Chinese team. That's where we lost. It was a technical mistake that, that they weren't better than us. But um, in China, it was more like we had more control over the ball. We, we were controlling the game. We were controlling the tempo of the game. So, um, so that's, that's for China. And uh, once I went to uh, summer camp, my summer camp, I played against um, Malaga. Uh, they're, they're 18, all of them are 18. Malaga, Cadiz, and Real Betis. So uh, what's we, what we noticed, and we won two games out of the three. So what we noticed in, um, in Real Betis, it was very different. The, we lost against them 3-0. Um, they were insane. But they were very amazing. Tactically, technically, everything. They were just very organized. They move the ball together. Um, it's like it's like they're all like one hand. You know, they're moving all the way together. And in every so that my listeners might be able to Google this. First of all, what say the name of that club really slowly one more time? Yeah, Real Betis. Okay, Real Betis. And then I'm and I'll probably have you send me a link so I can, we can look them up and add them to the show notes. And then how old were you roughly then so we can get an idea of how tactical they would have been at that age? Yeah, so I was 15 at that age. 
I was 15 years, which it was last year, last summer. So I was 15. Um, the players we were playing against were under 16, were U16s, um, or U15s actually. They have in Spain, they have U15s. Every year they have a category for it. So uh, they were playing in U15s. And as I said, they were very tactically good. Once we moved to Cadiz, uh, Cadiz, it's Cadiz Football Club. They recently promoted to the, uh, to the first division, uh, uh, Liga Santander. So uh, they were, we won actually that game. It was 2-1. They were also moving the ball. So just like to get an idea there, they play very much teamwork. And uh, it's like, you feel like they are just like single, you know, like one group, you know, they move, they do everything together. They press together, they move together. Technically, tactically, and even you know their mindset is 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 amazing. They're always motivating each other, and, and it's the environment there is amazing. And at the at the end, as I said before, as I talked about the environment here for me, I think the environment there is the environment each football player. I wish each football player would experience because the good thing is that they put you also near. Mostly all professional clubs do that, but they put you near the, their first team and where. They're like the stadium is right is right like a couple of uh, steps away, and you can feel like you're very close to your dream, but you just just have to keep working and training, and the coaches and you know these very small details that keep the player motivated and willing to work and put in the work is different than when you're playing and paying for it to play is different. You know it really makes makes you even work harder. I think that's that's from my perspective. It makes you even work harder once you see your dream is very close. Just got a couple of steps away until you, you get there. So, so that's, the, that's the environment I wish every player would experience. Yeah, I, I wish my son could experience it because I'm, uh, you know, my son is 10 and this is just a, oh man, great. But I'm trying to, he's in the States and we got a lot of entertainment options here to say the least. And so and one thing I just don't like about the way our youth academies are set up and it's no, it's no fault, it's just the way it is they don't really get to see the first team. They're not connected to the first team. They don't understand how that all works. So it's very hard to, well, it's impossible, I think, for, I'm gonna actually do a podcast on this, for a parent to motivate the young child because you're just talking about it in theory. It just doesn't resonate with them. Okay, so now, right before I let you go, is a couple more housekeeping questions. So what if I just wanna have a kick about, I'm, you know, I moved my son there and he just, wants to play there's no quote-unquote recreational league play for fun you mean yeah like in a league i want him to wear a uniform but there's no yeah Yeah, he joined he would at that case if he was going to play for fun i don't think he would want to join a professional club because they would have a training every day so he would get bored so uh maybe he would join a private academy and the private academy give you an option of maybe registering your son one day per week, two days per week, three days per week, and some reach up to four days per week. So it depends on the parents and the family. Um, he can register there, pay to play. Um, the approximate amount of uh, money you have to pay per year is around, um, I'm comparing it to US, it's like three, um, no, it's more than three. It's like, it's like 3000 to $3,500 per year. Um, he plays in the league, in our league, in the Academy Championship League. Um, and yeah, they just play for fun. He has a league, Saturday league. Every every weekend they play a game. And uh, and yeah, that, he just enjoys training. Uh, your parents need to drop you off. You will have to take your, um, you know, your shirts to go watch them at home and then come back the next training. 
But that league that he's playing is – he won't see you, right? He's not going to play against you, right? No, uh, that, that's the point you told me about earlier when we just had the call, that they will, they will see me. They might play against my team. But uh, one thing is that this academy championship last year, we had, um, we had academy championship A and academy championship B. There were two different leagues for, uh, for different teams and for different levels. If your team is very good, they play at A league. If your team is bad, they play at B league. But this year they removed it. I don't know if they're going to go back to it. And they just combined A and B, all of them together. So now the, sometimes you might have a weak opponent, a very strong opponent, a good opponent. Mid. So, uh, so there, he might, he might, he might see me there if he, if oh he joins. Y'all going to run the score up. Okay. <laughs> so then what about free play? Oh, I got a couple more questions about this. So free play and then Dubai is obviously extremely international. So the demographics in the States, let me give you an example. In the States, if I sign my son up for soccer in Cary, North Carolina, the majority of the um, what we would call travel soccer is going to be is going to reflect the population. So where we're at is majority white, middle class, and then you have minority groups, African Americans, some Hispanics, and even they are going to be relatively middle class. And that's just how youth travel soccer is in our area. And then we have. Um, Hispanic leagues, and that's where it's literally Hispanic league, so Spanish, that kind of thing. And then we have a few teams that are propping up that are trying to bring in more inner cities with quote unquote inner city, more diversity. But I guess what I'm basically trying to say is youth soccer in the States is pretty much middle class, and it usually reflects the middle class demographics of your community. But in Dubai, it's very international, I'm assuming. So what does the typical demographics look like in soccer? So now, uh, you mean like there might be a team in Abu Dhabi in a different city, in a different comp like different area, right? Is that what yeah, you mean? so for example, um, you, you're originally from Syria, right? So how many people are coming in from abroad? Or is everybody speaking Arabic or is it? You know, England, what okay, am I literally going to see? Am I yeah, going to see yeah. folks from Ethiopia, where my wife happens to be from? Yeah. Is it going to be multicultural or what? Okay. Um, uh, as you said, you're in Dubai or you're in general, they are international countries. So you, you might play against um, Africans. You might play against um, European people. You might play against um, U.S. people. You might play against Arab people or Gulf people, even like local players. Uh, and... It's just like everything. It doesn't. It doesn't relate to where where this club is from, and all the people will be from there. No, it's about any player. He's good. It's at the end. You're talking about private academies, especially in my league. They're all private academies, so you pay to play. Like um, for example, in my in my league, we have uh, around uh, 11 teams, including us. So I can say that maybe 10 of these teams actually accept my team. You need to play, to pay to pay to play, unless they may take, as I said before, a player or two or three. Maybe they say, okay, these this, these three players, I don't want them to pay anything. Just play for us, and uh, and basically, yeah, my team is fully for free for all the players that are uh, they made it up to my team, and uh, you, I'm I'm playing with actually two two from uh, Ghana, and then uh, I got from Iraq, I got from Syria, I got from um, from Lebanon, I got from Algeria, I got from 
uh, Italy, I got from, uh, yeah, and just, I got one from US, I got one from Russia, so it's all like international, you know, it, it doesn't make, it doesn't make like, okay. when you're talking about, when you're talking about the professional league, then you will find 80% of the, of the team, uh, about, about the UAE Pro League and the UAE Division One, 80% will be locals and then 20% will be um, international. And sometimes it's 90%, sometimes it's 100% local. So professional league, they're more like locals, more than you will find very little of international players. All right. So now a couple of things, we're going to wrap this up. In the States, you can play soccer and college. And when we say scholarships here, it mean, I think it has a different connotation in the rest of the world. But that's where the university or college effectively gives the student money in the form of tuition to play soccer. Do y'all have that in Dubai? Yeah, now um, just uh, universities, for example, here in Dubai, they have their own team, but not all their teams play in the UAE the division, the last division, you know. Some, they just play friendly games, but if you play for them, they will give you scholarship. Although you might be even playing two, three, four friendly games only uh, the whole season, but they still give you a scholarship. And if you play for, for example, if you go up to under 19, under 21 of the professional leagues, you get paid around, uh, let me calculate it to dollars, you get paid around $8,000 per month or $7,000 per month once you're playing for under 18, under 19, or under 21. Uh, that's that's how you get paid, and then you can pay for your university from that money. And depends on the club, you might get some extra perks, uh, maybe a car, maybe a residence. So it depends. All right. So we go with uh, speed round. So what about the national team in general? How are how are youth players scouted, and and how do they get to play in the national team? So playing for the national team here in Dubai or generally in the Gulf. Uh, it's more like only for local players, unless they offer you the passport to play for their, for, their, for their local team. And for that, you need to be very high and even like triple the level of the normal local player they have in their national team. So you need to be like triple the level for you to give, for them to offer you a passport and play. For example, Qatar, you, you know Qatar, right? Yeah. Yeah, so for example, their national team, I, that's why I heard it was like 80% people that they, they give passport to, you know, they're not originally from Qatar. So here in Dubai, uh, no, here in UAE, actually, no, the eight, 90% you will find are from uh, UAE, and then maybe there's 10% where they give nationality, they give their nationality, they give the UAE nationality. But they mostly don't, don't get them from here. For, because your son, for example, uh, he's, he's, where are you from? Well, he was born in England, but we're in the States. Now, what passport do you hold? Uh, American and English, British. Yeah, so let's say American or British, you come here, uh, they most likely get the players from um, Brazil. They get them like from outside the country once they want to give, uh, once they want to give like the passport. That's for the first team. For their youth teams, they're mostly the only locals. They don't give anyone else uh, an option to join the national team because that's here what they think because they, they draw their work on the people that are local then spend some time on other places. Yes. So what I want to clarify, though, is there are, um, let's assume just the locals for a second. Are there regional ID camps where they're bringing folks in as part of the national team selection? Or is it more like who you know? How do you, how does that work? 
Uh, now, if you're, for, for example, if you're holding, let's say you're holding the UAE passport, yeah. uh, you will need to be playing in the, they scout players. So I've got an experience with my friend. He told me that they send scouts to watch our, for the professional leagues. So you will have to be also in the professional league and their youth teams. And then they send scouts even to your training sessions, to your games, um, to take you. And once, for example, we had a player last year who came from he, two, no, they were like more like seven, six players. They were um, from the Dubai, uh, Dubai Federation or UAE Federation, Football Federation. They came with us to the summer camp. So um, out of seven, four of these were in the national team. Four of these players were in the national team. Uh, actually, the national team sent um, she, uh, a lady, she's responsible for them, to give them salaries there. Imagine, like she came all the way to Spain just to give them some salary to spend there. So, uh, so it's like... Yes, you need to be mostly local, but if, you have, if you're holding the UAE residence, uh, the UAE, sorry, passport, they don't do combines, but people come to watch your trainings. But to, for them to watch your trainings, you need to be at a good level. At a good level means you're playing at the professional, professional youth system. That's what they think. So they don't okay. start you from the academy. So we, all right. So we didn't touch on this right before we go, but what about uh, if my daughter, I don't have a, I happen not to have a daughter. Um, but if my daughter moved there, are there opportunities for them, for girls to play? Uh, in general or national team? No, in general first. And just a quick yeah. overview. Okay. So, for example, my team, we have a girls, a girls, uh, a girls under 18 team uh, for free. They also train for free. Uh, they, there is options here for girls. There is also national teams for, for girls, for women. Um, I can't say it's the best. But there is a system for them. They play against, for example, my, the girls in our, our club, our team, they play against the national team. So the national team girls, women, they play uh, in our division. You know, they play in the, in the academy division so they can participate. That's for the ladies. Um, so they play against other, each other. So, for example, uh, the girls team from our, our team plays against the national team girls from their team, you know, like from the, from the national team. So... It's good. They take there's trainings. There's many academies that offer girls, especially for the past three years. It's been going a lot, but uh, I say I think that's my opinion. That soccer for girls in the US is better. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I don't know because I feel there there's more like uh, there's more like options for them. Is that true? I don't know. Yeah. So in the states, the now okay. Listen and then. My my uh, female listeners are going to probably cringe when I say this, but basically there are parallel systems at the youth level. So they're not any structural differences at the youth level. Like when you, if you got a daughter and you sign her up for the U18, there's going to be another U18 that does exactly same thing. They do mm -hmm. unisex at the younger ages. So some girl, some teams will combine the genders at the younger ages but usually there's a parallel. Now, we don't have as, as a strong of a female professional league, even though we do. But you remember I told you about the requirements like to be an MLS? Well, one of the requirements is you have to have a women's sort of academy. And then if you want to get into the details, we're not going to go into the details here. There, our academies, which can, can um, play in different leagues, and those leagues have 
levels of pedigree or um, prestige. So if you can pitch. A or League B. League A may be generally accepted as being better, but not mm -hmm. necessarily. So yeah. for the girls, if you can picture this, we used to have a what we call a developmental academy, but they've gotten rid of it. But it was argued that the developmental academy for girls was not as strong as the second tier academy, uh, league. I think it was called ENCL for girls. And that was because the Developmental Academy League prohibited, prohibits players from playing in high school. And high school is very important for Americans, high school sports. And so many of the top girls prefer to be able to still play with their schools and play with their clubs. So I'm saying that to say, yes, bountiful opportunities. And our national team is obviously world-renowned, bountiful opportunities. Culturally, there are not really many cultural hangups. There are not a lot of um, parents saying, I don't want my girl to play sports. So we don't really have that issue. Where we have an issue is in the funding model as it pertains to the amount of money, you, the, the, I guess you'd say US soccer, our equivalent of the Federation, allocates to the women's side of the sport versus the men's side of the sport in terms of development. And that's a, that's a whole nother conversation, which I probably butchered big time anyways. So now we're going to the very end. So parent interactions. We can talk about your parents if you want to. We don't have to. It's really more of a general conversation. In the state, even though it's a relatively small percentage of people, because most people don't want to put in this kind of hard work, it is not uncommon at all for me to go to a soccer field and see a parent deliberately working with their child. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got probably driving the kid crazy. That's not uncommon. It is uncommon in many cultures. So just tell me what happens in your experience and maybe your friend's experience and what you see in terms of parent interaction and actually training you or yeah, coming uh, to your games or knowing what's going on and all that kind of stuff. Actually, uh, I don't know if you if that's common with what you hear normally, but I've got my parents' support a lot. I've I've got like two hundred percent of their support. But uh, if, if do we have time? Can I say a small short story? Yes. Yeah. So um, three years ago, it was in twenty. Uh, let's say yeah, three four years ago. Uh, it was twenty seventeen January, and it was almost coming to my birthday. My birthday is in February sixteen. So uh, the first thing I went to my dad and told him, I was, uh, I was telling him through January that, Dad, I want to go to the Real Madrid Academy here in Dubai. Uh, can I register? It was a bit far from our house. We had to also pay to play. Uh, it was a Real Madrid Academy. So uh, week, week by week, week by week, until my birthday. And that was the morning of my birthday. I woke up and I went to my dad. He was sitting in the kitchen. He, they were having breakfast. I just kissed them and I good morning, good morning. Um, the first thing, even before I have breakfast, I was like, he was still having breakfast. I went to him, Dad, today's my birthday. He was like, yeah, I know, happy birthday. And we celebrated later that day. But the thing is, I, the first thing I told him is that I want you to register me in the Real Madrid Academy. And that is um, and that is my gift from you to me, you know, that just register me there. And I won't go out anytime. I won't do anything. I won't spend extra money. I won't do anything. At that time, 
um, he was thinking about it, but later till March until he decided to put me there. Okay, uh, and uh, from then I started working hard. And then later last year in, uh, in around May, uh, my parents planned that me, I have, I have two brothers. I have, sorry, one brother and a sister. So um, my sister is studying in Czech Republic University. And uh, my, my brother just finished high school. That was last year in May. So, um, so they decided to take the whole family um, to Syria. But just leave my dad here because he had company work here. So um, I was worried going to Syria. It's bad. Uh, because there's no football clubs. There is football clubs, but not, the, not like here, not the facilities here, not the development I would get here. So I was worried. I was like, finish. I'm, uh, my dream is almost gone. So, uh, so I kept trying. I kept, I kept calling clubs. I, uh, by the way, that time I left to Madrid Academy after two months. Um, so, yeah. So I was without any academy until last year in May. So there was this trial from the, from the I told you, my team is um, Dula Liga High Performance Center along with the academy. So I went to the academy, I was contacting them. I was like, uh, do you have open tryouts? They said, no, we're sorry. At that time in May, they didn't have any single open tryout. It was only scouting. So it was like, they really, they were really like professional club. Now they are, but we have sometimes they make open tryouts for other players to come, random players. So um, suddenly, a week later in May, um, they post that they have a trial at May, I think it was May 17th. Uh, I got so excited. I told my friends also about it and I registered right away. And then um, I went to that trial. My dad came with me. Um, I was like, dad, it's, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, if they choose me, will you let me be, stay here? My dad was just like, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. I'll see. He didn't want to like, be like, no, but his answer, he told me, his answer later that time was no, but he just didn't want to say it that way. So I went to the trial. I did well. I did very well. And I had my friend going also with me. So the coach met with me after, tra- after the session, after the trial. It was only for a day. So he told me, Mulham, you're at a good level. And um, we want you to join us in August with our academy. And then if you're really good, we will take you to the Do, Do High Performance Center, where, where the team where you don't pay anything. So I was like, okay, that's a good sign. Can, can you talk to my parents? They were, yes, sure. For, of course, we need to talk to your, talk to your parents. So uh, they, they said they, will t- they have my number and they will call me. I was like, okay. Three weeks later, they called me saying, um, we would like to see you here with us in August. And I went to my dad. I was like, uh, dad, they gave me an opportunity to be here in August, please. My dad's answer was, uh, it's a family decision. We took it and we're not going back. I was like, okay. I just went to my bed. I was crying. I was sad. And then uh, one day I was uh, later at like uh, June, I was just playing PS4 there. And uh, it was like our last month maybe in that in here in this country so uh he told me uh, my mom was in the in, in her room she called me she was like mulham uh, do you really want to stay here i was like yes mom i've been trying i've been trying but dad doesn't want she's like uh is your school registration still open i was like yes for sure they're still open. i make them open right now so uh she was like okay great call them and book an appointment for us to go and register you for next year so the family was still moving. So my brother and mother were still moving, but I had to stay here with my, with my father. So she told me, I talked to your father on the phone and he, he agreed to keep you there, uh, to keep you here with him. So I went, I booked an appointment with my school. I went to register. It was very late to register in school. I like, hardly found a spot in my class and I registered. 
Then going in August for my first training, um, a week after my first training, the head coach, the one I told you that told me the striker move, he was the coach that came to scout me. Uh, the, co the coach from the academy called him. It was like, we have a good player here, come see him. So that coach that told me about the striker move, his name is Martin, Martin Blanco. He's from Spain. Uh, he came to watch me. At that time, I scored three top bins, and I did wow, amazing. Congrats. I did amazing. We had a finishing drill, a speed drill, everything, and I have did amazing. And then last five minutes, um, because I drank too much water, I had pain here in my like right I don't know, kidney or whatever. So I just sat. I just sat next. Like I told him, Coach, I, I can't continue. He's like, uh, he, he's been watching me for the like three past training. I was like, and he's the same one, huh, Martin? So I told him, um, yeah, I can't, I can't continue. I have pain here, a little pain. He said, it's fine, man, I'm sit. I sat next to him. And then uh, I was just watching the rest of the players playing, and he told me, Wilhelm, uh, uh, you made it. You have a trial with the, with the Dula League High Performance Center. You will come next week. So a week after training with the academy, I got a trial with the High Performance Center. Oh, wow. so that, was, that was an amazing feeling for me. I just felt like I was like flying, you know. So I went to that um, trial, try and uh, it was like a three-week trial. Um, I've been training with them. The, the team at that time was very good. It was very, very high, like very high level. When I went there, I was like, I won't get picked here. <laughs> like, it's so hard. And, uh, how, will I, how will he choose me? But uh, we played games. I did well. I was pretty confident about like I wanted to do my best because I really wanted to prove to my dad that it was worth if it was worth keeping me here. So um, and then three weeks later, the coach texted me and he said, uh, "You made the selection, you made the team, and welcome to do the Liga High Performance Center." <laughs> and I went to my dad. That was amazing. That was just an amazing feeling. Until now, I'm only living with my dad. Um, actually, now because it's summer, my parent, my mom, and brother, and also sister. My sister already came yesterday. So my brother, my mom and uh, brother are coming soon. So yeah, I'm gonna meet them now. But I'm normally now living only with my father. So oh my god, that is an amazing story. You know what? I have a ten-year-old who uh, is inquisitive about the rest of the world, and he's always asking me, "What is it like when I interview people from around the world?" And your story is exactly what it's about. So I have these guys have them listen to the podcast before bedtime, and uh, they always. They, so it's kind of funny. They're always like, oh, Dan, I don't want to listen to that. And then they hear these amazing stories and they ask me so many questions. So you may get an email from my son asking you more about, about what it's like because that is inspirational. And then we're going to end on that note, guys. And I'm just so happy for you. And I'm looking for big things. And I know I'm going to follow you on YouTube. I'm going to ask our um, listeners to follow you on YouTube. I'm going to post that. You posted a very interesting piece about stretching. And, and uh, we do a series on the uh, on the podcast where we entitle Raising the Whole Child, where we look at different disciplines and, and how that impacts uh, youth athletes. And so we have some folks coming on with injury pre prevention, meditation. And I'm going to look at your video closely on stretching and kind of see how we can incorporate that in. Maybe I'll even have you come back and give us some tips. But Mulhan, this has been a wonderful interview. I really can picture what it would be like if we played, uh, if I signed my child up for soccer in Dubai. And I'm just also impressed by your level of maturity and your level of commitment to the game. But there's also a somber note to my parents 
and us in the states to say, listen, you know, and the same thing, I'm actually saying this so that my son can hear it later. There's someone out there who wants to take your spot. It's a very competitive thing. If you got guys like you immigrating to the country, learning the language, obviously learning English, you know, family moving here, family moving there, you are focused on what you're doing. And, you know, I can't get my son off uh, Fortnite for 10 minutes. So <laughs> I just want to tell everybody, listen, there are young people out here who are driven and who are ready to fulfill their dreams. And I'm here to support you in any way I can. But it's also a somber note to my other uh, American listeners to say, hey, guys, we need to step our game up. So with that being said, this has been Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop brought to you by Anytime soccer training i encourage everyone to check out www.anytime-soccer.com again that's anytime-soccer.com join the mailing list we'll send you some great information as well as over 50 free uh, ball mastery and juggling videos to help your child supplement their training especially during this time of crisis muhan one more thing before i let you go are you guys back to training yet um, yeah, some local clubs were back to only uh, training, but no, no matches, no matches yet. Okay, so good luck with that. Keep us posted. Like I said, um, I'm going to share your information, and then I want you to interact with our folks, and if people have questions, they'll definitely reach out to you. And I actually found this interview so amazing, especially the part about Spain and the different countries as well. Eventually, my boys will travel abroad and we'll, uh, because, again, they were born in England and we'll get exposure. I'm going to try to get them exposure. But your perspective was so unique and so helpful. And I really take, appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us at Anytime Soccer Training Podcast, The Inside Scoop. With that being said, guys, let's get better together and I'll see you next week.